This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Cities, like living things, evolve slowly over time. Buildings and structures get added and renovated and removed. And in this process, there are bits and pieces that get left behind. Little vestiges. Humans have tailbones, but no tails. Whales have pelvic bones, but no legs. And cities have stairs that lead to nowhere. Telephone poles without wiring. And pipes that carry nothing at all. That's producer Avery Truffleman. Most of the time, these architectural leftovers rust or crumble or get taken down. But other times, these vestiges are not removed, and they remain in the urban organism. And sometimes, even though they no longer serve any discernible purpose whatsoever, they are actually maintained. They get cleaned and polished and repaired and repainted just because they're there. These architectural leftovers first caught the attention of an artist in Japan named Akasagawa Genpei. This was in 1972. One day, he was on his lunch break with some friends. And as they were walking to lunch, they came across this staircase that went up and then back down. But there was no door at the top. He basically just walked up and then walked back down. And there was a piece of the railing that had been recently fixed. Something clicked with him when he saw that. That is Matt Fargo. He's translated Akasagawa's work into English. Akasagawa himself doesn't speak English. And he's up there in the years, and he's not currently doing any interviews. But his passion for these city vestiges spread to Matt Fargo. It's very rare, for one. There's not a lot of facets of our life these days that are allowed to be completely purposeless. Akasagawa saw these urban leftovers as artistic byproducts of the city. He photographed all the things he could find that were both vestigial and maintained. He began publishing his findings in a magazine column, accompanied by musings about each object. So, for example, this is what Akasagawa wrote about those stairs to nowhere. Everything in our capitalist society has to have a purpose. So where does that leave this particular staircase? Could you even call it a staircase when all it did was let you peep into a window? Of course you can't. You can only call it art. A work of art shaped like a staircase. People began to send Akasagawa pictures of similar architectural leftovers that they found. And in his column, Akasagawa would evaluate their submissions on two criteria. One, were they truly, completely useless? And two, had they been recently maintained? In 1985, Akasagawa published a book of these collected photographs and writings, which Matt Fargo translated into English for the first time in 2009. And of course, now Matt finds these things everywhere, and they've changed the way he sees his surroundings. Architecture is constantly changing and being amended. So it is fun to think about, oh, how do we end up where we are right now? And kind of the warp and woof of how it formed over years. It's not a static, immutable thing. The changing nature of the city was especially clear to Akasagawa as a Japanese artist. Japan's rapid reurbanization after World War II created a lot of these city vestiges. Akasagawa coined a term for these kinds of urban leftovers, those that are, again, both totally purposeless and regularly maintained. He called them Thomasons. It comes from Gary Thomason, who was a baseball player, an American baseball player, and a a really good one. Gary Thomason played for the L.A. Dodgers, the New York Yankees, and the San Francisco Giants. And then he was snatched up 
by another team, also called the Giants. The Yomiuri Giants, which is like the Yankees of Japan, they have all the money and、uh, they win a lot of titles. And also, incidentally, Akasegawa's favorite baseball team, located in Tokyo, they hired him to come over and they paid him an exorbitant amount of money. But in this new country, on this new team, the great slugger Gary Thomason lost his stride. He got there and could not hit a Japanese pitcher for the life of him. He actually set the all time strikeout record in Japan in 1981. And he remained in this rut until his contract ran out the following year. So he basically ended up just sitting on the bench and collecting a lot of money. Miss after miss, Gary Thomason gained the nickname, the human fan, you know, for swinging the bat around and only moving the air. And so this kind of useless player that was being fiscally maintained was Akasegawa's foil for, for these objects he was finding. After Matt translated Akasegawa's original book, which, by the way, is entitled Hyper Art Thomason, the American publishers wanted to get a conversation going stateside. They collaborated with a team of artists and photographers to find Thomasons all around San Francisco, which is where the publisher was based at the time. It was partly its own project and it was partly to promote the book and the idea. Claire Light spearheaded this project, and she and collaborator Alan Manalo took us on their own Thomason tour. You find them all over the city. Well, I'll show them to you.、Um, yeah. We'll go down fourth. Of all the Thomasons that Claire and Alan found in San Francisco, their favorite ones. Sit poetically on a drawbridge right in front of ATT Park. Home of the、uh, world champion San Francisco Giants. Allen's a big Giants fan. And outside the stadium, on a drawbridge named after former Giant Lefty O'Doul, beyond a plaza named after former Giant Willie Mays, he found some objects unofficially named after former Giant Gary Thomason. There's two on,、uh, one on each side. They look like、uh, little kind of robot sentry guards. So, picture this. There's a drawbridge, and on either side are these lifting arm gates. You know, like the barriers that lower at railroad crossings to keep the cars from moving forward. But next to these modern lifting arm gates are the old models, or what's left of them. Their arms were chopped off, but the base is still there. And this old, useless base is still maintained. They actually took the trouble to move the damn thing, but they didn't remove it. And they had it painted before, so we, we could not figure out why it's still here. And it's painted like the, the same color as the bridge black, this kind of industrial black. And these Thomasons were some of the only indisputable examples that Claire and Alan found. There are plenty of things around the city that are just derelict. It's the maintenance that makes it a true Thomason. Claire and Alan drove us to a loading dock by the San Francisco Marina and pointed out a staircase that led to nowhere. A classic Thomason. Or so it seemed. Upon closer look, we weren't so certain. I think that one is more of the Thomason. I don't think it has been repainted because if you look at the bottom, the, the, the pink fades into,、um, into the rust. Oh, but if you look at the other yeah, at railings the over they're there, they're all faded. Yeah, and rusted. So that, that, one, more than that one. Here, let's take a closer look. The four of us huddled around this railing and tried to figure out if the rust was painted over, which would mean that it was a Thomason, or the paint was rusted over. Which would make it not a Thomason. It looks like it was freshly painted, but then we're figuring it wasn't and that it just hasn't been used. So 
So that's why it doesn't look like it doesn't have nicks or cuts on it. This discourse is part of the fun of Thomason's. Anyone can just look at broken down city parts, but it takes active examination and attention to assess if this object is truly useless and has been cared for. This detailed look and debate is what Akasagawa was encouraging in his writings and publications. And so we thought we would imitate that with our website. Claire teamed up with Matt Fargo, the translator, to create a blog where people could offer up their own potential Thomasons for analysis and debate. And um, so people were actually using it and sending in their, their Thomasons from all over. Like in Akasagawa's original magazine column, there are submissions. And there's commentary as to whether or not they met the definition of a Thomason. And we got a lot of really beautiful pictures. That's translator Matt Fargo again. And then one day, they got a submission that was definitely not a Thomason. Or maybe it was the truest Thomason of them all. One day we got one that was just a big picture of a middle finger. And it said, thank you for making my family forever famous or something like that. And it was from Gary Thomason's daughter. That middle finger was a pretty clear sign. The Thomason family is not pleased, if indeed that is actually Gary Thomason's daughter who submitted it. But either way, the family declined to comment for this story. Which brings us to another debate, beyond whether or not something is a Thomason. Is it fair to call these things Thomasons at all? Gary Thomason was a remarkable baseball player for a long time. And just being a professional baseball player in and of itself is amazing. Hitting a baseball going 90 miles per hour is about the hardest thing to do in professional sports. If you are fantastic at it, you'll fail 70% of the time. Combine that with Thompson getting on in years, the stress of living abroad, and any number of other things that could have been going on in his life at the time. It's totally understandable that he wasn't the slugger that he was for the San Francisco Giants. And Akasagawa knew that. He followed baseball. He was a fan of the Yomiuri Giants. He was a fan of Gary Thomason. It was Akasagawa's big fear, you know, when we told him we wanted to publish the book. He's like, I don't know about, you know, publishing it in English because it might be really embarrassing for the Thomason family and don't want to hurt any feelings. He's a sweet man. Matt himself was pretty nervous about the Thomason family's reaction. I can't imagine what he would say. Or, Yeah, I just hope he knows that uh, nothing but love for him and that, that Akasagawa was really, really nervous about that. But not so nervous that Akasagawa wouldn't publish the book. And unfortunately, the name Thomason works well. It fits. It's catchy. And maybe it's kind of mean. In fact, when I first heard about Thomasons, I thought it was really mean. But then I tried to remember all the baseball players I could from the 1970s, and I came up with something like four names. And now, because of Akasagawa, Gary Thomason has transcended even Pete Rose and Reggie Jackson and joined the immortal ranks of the eponym. Cardigan, Leotard, Guillotine, Sandwich, Silhouette, and Plimsoll. However hurtful the useless title might be, the legacy of Akasagawa's Thomason, one could argue, is ultimately a positive one. Thomasons are delightful to find. They have inspired artists, translators, performers, and urban explorers around the world. Thomasons are treasures waiting to be discovered and analyzed.
Plus, if you need to get a gift for the urban design enthusiast who has everything, I'm thinking a Gary Thomason baseball card would be perfect. Invisible was produced this week by Avery Truffleman with Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 local public radio KALW in San Francisco and produced of the offices of ArcSign, the Reggie Jackson of architecture firms in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. Support for 99% Invisible comes from our extremely useful and impeccably maintained listeners and from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website or portfolio. This week, I'd like to direct your attention to Audio Dregs, a really fantastic record label and music collective based in Portland, Oregon. They just ditched their website on another platform for a shiny new Squarespace site at audiodregs.com. And if you like, quote, experimental music made by people equally in love with melody and invention, basically the type of music I like to talk over on this show, you'll love Audio Dregs. I'm a huge fan. And if I've done my job, you're going to buy a bunch of their records play them out loud, and walk around telling intricate backstories of everyday items around your house. If you want to make your own beautiful Squarespace site, sign up for a free trial right now at squarespace.com. And if you decide to purchase, use the offer code INVISIBLE and you will save 10%. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Ongoing generous support is also provided by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. My boy Maslow always has something to say. We just started playing board games together, and it's so much fun. What do you got to say, Maslow? One of my favorite tabletop games is Forbidden Island. It's really good because you all work together. If one person dies, everyone dies, which is the bad part about working together. But if you work together, you could win. But if you don't work together, you probably will just die. A tiny letter recommending really good tabletop games would be super useful. So if you know one, let me know about it and I'll let you guys know about it. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter from the great people behind MailChimp. Speaking of MailChimp, thanks to them and the Knight Foundation, we created a collective called Radiotopia from PRX, the original independent radio storytelling collective. And this week, there's an amazing episode of Love and Radio. Remember when we did our episode on designing the perfect bank heist and our own Katie Mingle interviewed Tom Justice about robbing banks on his bicycle? She turned that into a 40-minute killer episode, maybe my new favorite episode of Love and Radio. When I'm setting the alarm clock that says 7.30, I said, you know what? I'm robbing a bank tomorrow morning. I should probably wake up a little earlier. So I'm like, you know, let's go 645. You've got to listen to it. It's the best thing I've heard all week, maybe all month. You can find Love and Radio and all the shows in Radiotopia by searching for Radiotopia in iTunes or at radiotopia.fm. If you're a company who would like to reach amazing people and help create the most innovative and interesting radio being made today, email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. You can keep up with all the goings-on at 99PI on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify. If you say hi, we usually say hi back. And if you ever need a place to crash, you can always hang out at our place at 99pi.org. 
Akasagawa was a pretty famous artist, so the term Thomason spread, even to the United States, when science fiction writer William Gibson picked it up and used it in his 1994 novel Virtual Light, which was set in a dystopian cyberpunk San Francisco. I don't care, Yamasaki said in English. San Francisco is witness. The whole city was a Thomason. Perhaps America itself was a Thomason. Radiotopia.